with the influx of content that I've made recently, I'm on the verge of just going on ahead and making this second podcast that I've been talking about making for like a while. I've been talking about it on this podcast, maybe not in the recent seasons, but even in the previous seasons I've talked about that because the thing is I try to make stuff in advance, but when I make stuff, I like to release stuff more fresh. So sometimes I'll make stuff so far in advance, but the majority of it, I just kind of just release because most of it is very relevant or stuff that I got in the moment. So if I got that in the moment, then I'm not going to try to wait and let this fresh word go stale or nothing like that. So like I said, I'm on the verge of getting ready to start a second podcast, but I'll have to get some of the logistics for that worked out. But I look forward to that because as you might've noticed in some of my episodes, you know, as always, I've always had tangents that I go down to, and I usually get back to the main point, but as some of the tangents I've talked about, I've been getting away from some of the core discipleship stuff because there's a lot of things I've been desiring to speak on spirit for the spiritual climate as a whole, both stuff that is never talked about, but also stuff that is going on now and stuff that is historical and a lot of other stuff. So there's a lot of things I really desire to talk about, but I also plan to keep this podcast to focus on discipleship. Like I said, discipleship isn't just about reaching out to others, but ultimately having the disciplines within yourself. So very excited and I'm going to continue making content. I also have plans for this podcast as well. Hopefully I'll be having some hosts that I'll bring onto this podcast so that I can focus more on the other podcasts as well. And even reviving some stuff with the Scottish Bros and some of the original plans for this podcast and what I'm supposed to segue into anyway. So I'm very excited for that because I finally am getting way, almost way too much into the groove with this podcast. And it's been very exciting. But today I have another more positive episode, one that is probably very a, a topic, like I said, that is very close to my heart because especially the main passage of scripture that I'm going to be using today, because this has been one of my favorite Psalms, especially since I really rededicated my life to God after just blatantly turning my back on him, uh, at a certain low point in my life. And even like I said, not just in that moment, but it's been uh, just to go back to every time I mess up, every time I make a mistake to go back to this. There's so much revelation in this passage and it's Psalm 51. It's my favorite song because I've seen so much done with the song for friends, for family, for other people, but not even for other people, for me in my personal prayer life, because we have to realize, and Jesus highlighted this, that we need God. We need to receive from God. Everything we get, everything that we do is something that we received from God. Even when we evangelize to other people and they come to Christ, it's not by you. It's by God working on them through you. And it's very important that we realize even the works that we do is a reception of instruction and not the conception of our own idea. 
So it's very important that in all things that we do, we do unto God and we do it with thanksgiving and praise that we rejoice in the things of God. That means to take possession of the things of God, to be happy, to thank ourselves fortunate in the things that God has placed us in and to just do our due diligence in everything that he does has placed in our life. So today, the topic that I desire to talk about or going to be talking about is restoration because I mentioned it before and I talk a lot about stuff. Maybe some people consider me pessimistic, but we got to be for real sometimes. And there's a lot of stuff that is never talked about. So if there needs to be a voice in the wilderness that nobody cares about, I mean, people do care about it because people listen to this, but if there needs to be a voice in the wilderness, some raggedy person over here, who's the only person who's saying it, I'll be that person. I don't think I'm raggedy, but I'm just saying that's the way some people might perceive some of the stuff that I say. But at the end of the day, if you, and this is something I always say, if there's something that I say that you don't like, if there's something that I say that you don't agree with, you may feel, feel some type of way about it. Like you are not obligated to listen to nothing I say, and you're not obligated to do anything. Like I said, you're not really, honestly, you're not even obligated to listen to God. Now you don't bear the consequences of that. But my thing is, if you don't agree with something, nobody's forcing you to listen to the truth. And if I'm not the truth, whose fault is that for listening to it? So my goal is never to persuade necessarily, or that's not the word manipulate or force an idea on anybody. But if I believe, then I need to speak it. If I'm convicted about something, I need to speak that thing. And as the scriptures say, I believe, therefore I've spoken. I'm only speaking on things that I believe. So it's your job to work out your own salvation and figure out what you believe. Am I right on this subject? Is this the correct interpretation of this subject? You cannot leave that into anyone else's hands, but your God's and your own also by submitting to God and working out your own salvation through your own personal walk with God. So like I said, today, hopefully will be one of those more positive episodes uh, that focuses on the wonderful power of God and how he works through every situation for those that love God and through a repentant heart. So before I get started, as always, I would like to open up with a word of prayer. So dear heavenly father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you provided for us. And I pray Lord that you would make this place your abode with us, that you would abide in our hearts, that you would abide within our minds, that you would begin to change us, that you would transform us into your image, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us revelation of every situation in our life, that you would pour out of your spirit, your wisdom, your understanding, your counsel and might, the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and root us and ground us in your love, that you would work in your faith and that you would renew the hope and expectation of every person listening to this podcast and you. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, that your will would be done and that you would give us understanding of that will for our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would cover us with your love and work your love through us, that everything we do would be seasoned by your grace, that we will be receptive in faith to everything that you desire for us to do. I pray, Lord, that you would be effectual in our life, Lord, and that we would be submitted to everything that you desire so that you can build us up to be the man or woman of God that is listening to this podcast, that you would 
make us to be who you created us to be, who you've destined us to be, and that we will operate in the fullness of the potential of it, that we would just not be fighting for day to day, but that we will be strong and do exploits in you. So in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray all this, all praise and thanks be unto you in Jesus mighty name. I pray. Amen. So without further ado, we'll get into the scripture here. So Psalm 51, starting with verse one, and it says the following, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight and that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Now, before I go any further, it's very important to highlight David's focus when he was acknowledging his sin. He wasn't acknowledging really his impact on anybody else because at the end of the day, everything wrong that you do, the only reason why it's wrong is because it was against God. Now, that can have an impact on other people, but it's very important that in everything we do, even in our mistakes, that we acknowledge God and that we get ourselves right with God. His focus is seeking things above. So in all our ways, we must seek him because he's the one that is the judge and he's the reason why everything is justified. So if there's anything going on in your life, good or bad, it's only because it's always going to be justified. Everything that happens in your life is going to be justified. And especially if you're sinning, you're opening the door. So you be, may be wondering why you're calling on Jesus name and stuff isn't working. I've actually been there once or twice. And that's a scary feeling, but it's only because you made an agreement outside of him. And it's very easy to blame God for a lot of stuff, but really he's justified in everything that he does. So the one that's unjust is you. And that's the reason why you out of order and things are out of your order. I mean, think about it disorder we have so many disorders now because we're disorderly people we're not submitted to the will of god so that's the reason why there's so many disorders abounding and increasing in this time and the world is perpetuating lifestyles that are increasing disorder whether that be body function disorders mental disorders all sorts of disorders it results from spiritual disorder the majority of it so it's very important that we set our life in order and that we have our focus on God because he comes first above all. And if we submit to that covering, as I talked about love as a covering, and as always, John 14, 15, John 15, 14, all of first John tell us that the love of God is obedient. So if we submit ourselves in obedience to him, then we can receive everything that he has for us, even if it's correction, because that correction is going to cleanse us. It's going to remove anything that needs to be removed trying us by the fire and by his light his reproof that's what his reproof is reproof means to expose so it's by his light so the father of lights his spirit he takes hold of our spirit and lights the candle as proverbs talks about so our spirit is the candle of the lord that he searches within us so when he convicts us through the spirit and leads us through because he said he makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire so his goal was for you to fully be caught on fire. Like Jeremiah said, fire shut up within my bones. But first, you must put a coal to your lips as Isaiah said, to cleanse you 
and to expose you for who you are so that you can be clean, that you could decide, do I want do I desire to walk in the light or do I desire to walk in darkness and continue in my own way? So it's very important for us to recognize that light or the fire that comes from God. That is his spirit. His spirit leads us to this way of justice. And the only way that we can receive it is in humility and meekness. So, like I said, it's very important that he came with humility in order to receive the mercy. So he acknowledged the truth and he was appealing for the mercy because he had integrity. That's the only way we can receive a good judgment from God is walking in integrity and owning up to what we did. I know actually I was listening to my uncle. He was uh, talking about uh, he was talking about his kids and how he really just desired to teach them how to just tell the truth. And even my parents did this. It's going to be so much better for you if you just tell the truth to stop lying about the stuff that you're saying. And it's going to be so much better. And he was talking about how long it took some of them to learn how to do that and how some others of his children learn quicker and realize this is just so much better. Just tell the truth and it's really not going to be that bad for you. And it's truth. It's the same thing with God. Just tell the truth. Even if you mess up, it's going to go a lot better for you. You will get up a lot faster. God will show so much more favor on you. If you just be honest about your sin, instead of getting to a place where we're complacent and trying to hide it or trying to justify it, that is going to put you in a very dangerous reprobate state, a counterfeit state in your relationship with God. Now, we don't want to make a lifestyle of sin, but there's it's inevitable that we make errors, which sin is an error against God and his commandments and his leading. It's not always going to be, oh, I lusted, oh, I fornicated, oh, I stole or said this injurious word. Sometimes this is going to be, I didn't follow the leading of the Holy Ghost in this area today because I was scared or because I just didn't feel like it or I didn't want to look bad. That's an error too. That's falling short too. So it's very easy in this lifestyle in little areas, but it's the little things that build integrity. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the tiny cracks that can sink a ship. So it's very important that we stay sealed on the spirit and that we keep that acknowledgement on God. And as long as we keep the acknowledgement of God, he's the spirit of truth and all the ways of holiness, all the ways of the Lord are mercy and truth. The way if we acknowledge the truth, then we can receive that mercy. But if we deny the truth, which is Jesus and his commandments, then we cannot receive his mercies because Jesus said to himself, those that saw me and didn't believe they damned themselves. That's what we do when we have the wrong perspective. So it's very important that we keep the right perspective in our transgressions. And then we could be cleansed by the water of his word. Because we'll, we're receptive to his word. We're receptive to his life. We're receptive to his Holy Spirit, which converts our soul. So continuing on. Verse five. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin my, did my mother conceive me. So we know here that. We have some people like to call it a sin nature. I'm not sure if that's the way that I would like to call it, but we do have natural things that we're born into. I mean, we know this because if someone, for example, their parents were addicted to drugs or whatever, that has an impact on how the baby is born. If they ate a bad diet, that has an impact on how the baby is born. If they smoke, they have impact on the way that the baby is born. So how much more is that spiritually? 
There are familiar spirits, ancestral spirits that will follow down your line. And even the Bible says how the sins could pass down to the third and fourth generation. So it's very important, even though God will only judge you specifically for your sins, these doors can still be open in your life. So even if you have natural inclinations, those tendencies that you have in your life, whether and like I said, a very overlooked area, even though it's the main area, because it's the one area of sin that's supernatural and overstimulated fornication. There's other areas as well. There's areas just in the way that you think in the way that you feel your passion towards the things that you obsess over all those different things, those tendencies, a lot of them, if they're not from God, those tendencies, usually there's a spirit motivating those wrongful, sinful tendencies. And sometimes those didn't even come from yourself. That comes from your parents and from your grandparents and from other people in your family and different agreements like that. So it's very important that we also acknowledge that it's not just our sin, but the sin of our parents as well. So it's very important that we go to God about that as well. So continuing on, behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I'm going to get back to that point in a bit, but I'm going to continue on now. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast, I'm going to highlight this, broken may rejoice. The bones broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So we talked about a heart and the spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good and thy do good pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So there's quite a few things that we see here. For one, it talks about being made clean and being made renewed, being restored. This is what this is all about. It talks about brokenness and how the thing that was broken, the bones that are broken may rejoice. So we must know what rejoicing means. Joy, rejoicing doesn't just mean joy and being glad, but also means to possess something as well. So we're possessing something here. So the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. What are they rejoicing in? What is, what is being possessed? It's the renewal. 
it's now what is this renewal there are cultures out there that used to purposely break their bones in order to make sure that they grew extra tall so in the breaking of your bones it actually provides an area of growth so when the bones heal that area is grown so in the process of breaking there's always growth involved with that as well so when we're able to rejoice in this brokenness we're rejoicing in the growth that's about to come from it furthermore let's continue so hide thy face from my iniquities blot up sins and my iniquities so create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so we're looking for cleanness of heart and the rightness of your spirit the spirit so being renewed in the spirit and cleansed in the heart these are very important states and i'm going to continue to build upon that point later this is about being in the presence of god being in a state where we can communicate with god because you have to have a certain state to be in the presence of god and what is that that state is holiness, being set apart, being separate. To be holy, you must not be profane and you must be clean. Profaneness makes you common and God doesn't deal with common, but he definitely does not deal with uncleanness as well. So we can't just go to God any kind of way, contrary to popular belief. We're not just going to God casually, but we go to God with respect. We go to God set apart and we live a set apart lifestyle. That is a part of our discipleship, our discipline. We aren't just living any kind of way, living based off of how we feel, but according to his leading by the spirit. So it's not that nothing that we feel matters, but at the end of the day, we're submitting our feeling to his leading and his guidance, his spirit, his vision. And without that, we can't be led. So in this prayer, we see that we are looking for restoration and his salvation salvation part of the word salvation is salve which means healing so we're looking for healing in the spirit which brings back the joy of the spirit the joy which is the state of being thankful it's a state where we're able to possess what god has for us so when we are healed, we're able to hold what we need to. This reminds me of the woman at the well when Jesus was trying to deal with her so that she would be able to hold the spirit of truth. The woman at the well had a facade and a veneer of looking like she was religious, but her religion was vain. She was really fornicating. She wasn't living a lifestyle that she should. And it was interesting that she came to him talking all this religious talk talking about some i perceive you're a prophet like girl no you didn't but she still stepped to him all spiritual and had all this spiritual stuff to say to him but he called her out but after the she was reproved she finally was able to receive that she needs god and she needs to walk in truth and as she began to walk in truth then she can hold the rivers of living water which not only cleanses but sustain us Remember Psalm 23, it talks about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing that you will lack in him. So he leadeth us beside the still waters and restoreth our soul. So the point of the waters of God, the word of God, that he speaks to us. So there's both that rhema word and the logos word. So the rhema word is the spoken word of God through his spirit. And there's also the written word of God through the Bible and 
And the purpose of this word is to restore us. So anytime we touch anything impure, which probably will happen as we walk through the course of this world, it cleanses us. But also as we partake of this daily, we partake of his word daily, it restores us. It gives us strength to continue to go. And it talks about how he lead us down the path of righteousness and through the ways and the valley of the shadow of death into the next anointing. We learn through this seasons of brokenness and through the times of death that we go through death, even through our lust and our sins and that lead to death. God's goal is to lead us through that, to work through that, not get around it, not to ignore it but to lead us through that, to deal head on, to renounce the hidden works of darkness. So we got to be honest and confess, but to renounce the hidden works of darkness, to work through it so that we can be restored and led to a greater place of anointing to where he embarrasses the enemy. Cause that's what he did with Job. Satan asked God to afflict Job. So anything that happens in your life, Satan has to have legal permission for it. And that's what sin does. So a lot of the things that we go through, are due to sin and one of Job's greatest sins because he was a pretty righteous man, but his, one of his greatest sins was fear. What he feared came upon him, his family dying, all the stuff, his health going down and losing his riches. That was his greatest fear. So fear was really an open doorway for all that. And Satan was like, he got all this nice stuff. If you take it away, he's not going to live right. And that was part of his fear. So he was really kind of justified in his claim anyway. But even if he wasn't justified and even if Job wasn't uh, fearful, which he was, but even if he wasn't fearful, because it talks about in the Bible, the fearful won't inherit the kingdom of God. So if, even if Job was not fearful, the thing is, the point of that whole situation wasn't even necessarily just for Job, even though it built him up and he got even greater anointed and double for his trouble. As it talks about, I will restore double for you in the Bible. But he also, the point of that wasn't even just for him, but to prove to the devil that my word is true and you could test, you can do whatever you desire. But this person who could not see what was going on is still able to serve me, still able to praise me because that's what it was all about. The trial lasted shorter when he was in the state of praise or rejoicing joy. He had to be in a state of joy in order to possess the blessings of God. So the second time was a little harder than the first time for him. But the point of that was he was able to obey God and to rejoice in God and praise God because that's a part of rejoicing is the praise and thanksgiving to God, the sacrifices, which we'll get into in a moment. But the thing about that is he was still able to do that. And we'd never seen God. And Jesus said this to Thomas. You know, you're you believe, but blessed are those that believe, even though they haven't seen. That's what makes us so great. It's not the miracles of the outward. It's the miracle of the inward. The internal things are the things that last eternally. So the thing is. All this is not only about us is really all this started with God and Satan and all those fallen angels to prove the point that. You can be obedient because Satan knew what God looked like. He saw all the glory of God and he still fell in his own pride. But we, the angels that are on God's side, look at us and look, look and think, well, who is man that you're so mindful of him? The thing is, we've never seen God and we still worship him. We've never experienced him to the same level they have. 
And yet we could still believe him and that we could still serve him and still be obedient and still do it with a joyful heart and not with murmuring and complaining about our situation. That is what pleases God in those seasons of brokenness. And that's why he rewards you double in front of the presence of your enemies. It's not just your earthly enemies. It's really those spiritual enemies. The devil thought he had you, but you weren't had if you submit to God. That's what all this is about. So we are upheld by his free spirit, his generous spirit that restores us and holds us as long as we remain in the truth. As long as we're able to hold the truth, we have to be made perfect. We have to be restored in order to do that. So it also talks about how I will teach transgressive those ways and sinners shall be converted unto me. So now because the spirit of testimony is within him, he can share that testimony. He could share that witness because he's able to hold the truth because he's experienced it him himself. So he didn't just know it, but he also had the wisdom. He had the truth in the inward parts. He had the wisdom in the inner parts, which wisdom means experience or learning. So he's internalized this knowledge. So it's not just knowledge. He has an understanding now at this point in the inward parts. The hidden man has grown. The internal man has internalized this. So now he's able to effectively witness to others, to effectively talk to other people. And we see here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is where the conversion happens. The cleansing of our blood happens. We talked about this in the dimensions episode as well. And the thing is, the Holy Spirit existed before the New Testament. And really, the thing is, the only thing that really changed is the operation of the Holy Spirit, because people were full of different aspects of the spirit of God. It talks about how people were full of the spirit of wisdom, which came from God. People were full of anointing and even full of the spirit of God. The thing was, it wasn't exactly in the same operation as it was after Jesus died and rose. So the Holy Spirit was still operating in the Old Testament as well. And it, sometimes we can overlook that with the whole acts beyond which is still very important there is a difference but the holy spirit and being able to withhold that through our brokenness and through our truth in our acknowledgement of our sins and acceptance of his mercies and acceptance of his correction that is what enables us to be good disciples enables us to be ministers of righteousness because it talks about how judgment comes upon those who hold the truth in unrighteousness so when we are just before god and acknowledge his justice above ours and not to be like a pharisee that prays and compares themselves to others but to be like the publican that prays who acknowledges their sin and says god i need you i'm not even worthy to be before you right now and to continue to stay in that state whoever humbles himself shall be exalted and whoever exalted themselves shall be abased so that posture of humility is necessary for us to be able to go and to advance in the kingdom and to be disciples and to be strong and to do exploits to be relatable to the world even not relatable in the sin because that's a lot of things that we do we have worldly schemes and techniques and methods trying to dilute and the thing is people don't realize what you're doing is profaning polluting the message of god which god hates that you're making your message no longer holy and set apart it's not the music it's not the lights it's not the modernization because there's nothing new under the sun that's what you have to realize so all this new stuff that we're doing is just polluting the ways of god because in god there's 
no variance. There's no changing. God does not change. His ways do not change. So all this new stuff is just polluting the message. It's bringing mess into God's will. And like, like I said, it's going to affect the operation of your discipleship. So really, outside of what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do in the moment, there's no new methods. It's simply walking in the truth and living it out. That's the greatest witness you have is just the way that you live your life. You're going to draw people through that. And I know that because I started to experience that. I stopped focusing on the sexual stuff and Instagram and all that crazy stuff. And like I said, I'm not going to say that there's no good thing that can come out of Instagram that you cannot witness through that. That's not what I'm saying. Now I know what it's made for and I know how it affects people. And that's why I'm so staunchly against it. But to act as if nothing could be good done through that is not my goal. But anyways, the point is, it was through my separated lifestyle and the peculiarness of my lifestyle that has drawn people. And I haven't even had to try to talk to people. It just draws people because they notice the difference. So I don't even have to try that hard to witness to people because, like I said, it's that set apart lifestyle that makes you stand apart and stand out. And that opens the avenue. That's the way God desires to work, not profaning the message. So it's not only staying in holiness, but also internalizing that testimony that God is within you. It's not even just about what happened to you. It's just now you've been tested and tried and now you've proved your love to God. Now you've been proven to God as Psalm, the psalmist David has said, you proved me. You've tested my integrity. And now I'm able to hold this message. I'm able to hold this comforter. And now I can share effectively always. So that's the point of this is to get us to a state to where we can be effective disciples and that we can reach out to others because we've effectively internalized the message because you can preach something that sets somebody free, but you cannot be free yourself. And the goal of this is not to be prisoners trying to make other people free, but to be free people leading other people to be free. It, the point of this is not to have chains and telling people how to take the key and unlock their own chains, but to have your chain and yoke broken and helping other people break the yokes. You're going to be so much more effective that way. His goal is for you to have your yokes broken by his anointing, which the anointing gets in and literally destroys the yoke. It doesn't just break the yoke. It destroys the yoke. So it, it won't happen again. Whatever sin you're dealing with, it won't happen again when you get to that point and you have to keep that door closed. So he said, deliver me from blood guiltiness. This is what causes the iniquity. This is what causes the separation from God and all the different consequences. It's the blood guiltiness. And the thing is, you can have literal blood guiltiness, blood covenants of all sorts, even fornication. A lot of things, almost every form of fornication includes some sort of blood covenant in it. But and that's why it's one of the worst sins that you can do because you're sinning against your own body and defiling your temple immediately. I mean, even and this is something people don't think about. The word masturbation literally means to defile yourself. Look it up in the etymology app. I linked in a few episodes back or look it up yourself. It literally means to defile yourself. So all these different sins that you do. And it's not just those sins, because it talks about how the words of your mouth are murderous. The mouth of the wicked is violent. So when you're blaspheming against people, you're slandering other people, you're gossiping about people, even just calling people fools and stupid. 
when you do those different things, you're bringing blood guiltiness upon yourself. So you're making yourself eligible. When you read about, you read about Saul, you read about, I know I just read the other day about Abimelech in second, I think it was second Chronicles 15 or something like that. I'd have to go back and check, but I was reading about Abimelech and it talked about how through his ungodly ways of getting to power, which was very interesting because I remember I watched something from like big think I've watched a lot of videos from them. I don't agree with everything they talk about because it's a very carnal perspective, but the thing is they were talking about one of the episodes and I never finish it, but one of the titles of the episodes was talking about how psychopaths always end up rising to the power. And in that prophecy, because there's um, Abimelech was prophesied to by his brother who noticed what he did was unjust. And he talked about how the green olive tree who was producing fatness said, I'm not trying to rise the power And this tree that was doing something was not trying to rise the power, but the bramble bush rose the power. And that was because the thing is the people, when you're doing your diligence in God, you're not focused on taking control over people or power in that sense, because you're already powerful where you're at. Why do I need to rise any further? And if I do need to rise any further, God will rise me further. But the people who are seeking occasion, remember the Bible talks about the the workers of deceitfulness seek for occasion. They seek for spots of control to Lord over the people, not to serve the people. And it was interesting how it just kind of emphasized that point of how a lot of people seek to exalt themselves, but God will allow that to happen for a season. But at the end of the day, they will destroy themselves as well because they will always, anything that comes from pride will always have to fall. Every stronghold that comes from pride has to fall. All those deceitful workers of righteousness, they're deceitful. So they're going to be caught in their own snares. They're going to be caught in their own words. They're going to be caught by their own things. And the thing is, it said, like I said, to Saul, to Abimelech, that God sent an evil spirit that began to work the judgment. I mean, there's even a... Uh, passage in the Bible where it talks about Ahab and he had many false prophets and he had one true prophet Micaiah who came and said what he saw before God that he would not not only was he not going to win the battle but he talked about how God said who and talking to his council and talking to all these spirits and having he said who is going to how are we going to get Ahab to be deceived and to go into the battle. And he's, there's a spirit that volunteered itself and said, I'm going to be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. That's going to lead him into deception. So these, all the evil that is done on the earth is subcontracted out by God. God doesn't do it himself because he said, I don't do evil. Now he does judgment. Judgment isn't evil, but the thing is, because darkness is just consumed by his light. But, a lot of those evil that happens here happens legally for one, but two, it happens because you transgress the way of God. And now some spirit has been released. Even the angel of death that was released on um, Egypt. It was an angel. It wasn't God that did that. Now he allowed it to happen, but it was because of transgressions. And it literally he had, there was so much mercy in the process of that. There was literally nine things that happened before that, the death came and similar with sin. It takes a long time for you to get the full repercussion of the sin, but you really have to sit there and deny God over and over again for you get to get to the point to where you're broken down. And that's the purpose of brokenness is to get us humble. And 
one of two things are going to happen. We're either going to have destruction like that episode where I talked about the revelation of destruction or in this episode, you will have restoration. and You're going to be stronger than you ever were before. But like I said, that evil spirit was sent in because of blood guiltiness, because of their sin. And that is what caused all the turmoil in their life was their sin. Now, there's like I said, there's other things that happen because of tests and trials. So just because somebody's going through, it's God working on them. So don't think because you see somebody going through something, you know, that's a sign. Well, they ain't godly because they're going through stuff. That doesn't mean anything. That might mean they're living more godly than you even. So it's very important that we just focus on encouraging our brothers and sisters who are going through different things especially and not comparing ourselves with one another and being covetous as well. But like I said, it was through blood guiltiness that got him in this situation. So he was asking God for what deliverance from blood guiltiness and for salvation so that his tongue could sing aloud of righteousness. So now this is changing his speech. So the first thing that changed when he began to hear. So first he began to hear the words of God. Then his speech began to change. So it, at the proof of his deliverance from blood guiltiness was the changing of his speech. So now his speech is changed from violent speech to speech of praise and thanksgiving and songs, hymns and spiritual songs as a cheerful countenance and a cheerful speech. So proof of your deliverance is going to be in the way that you speak because Jesus said it himself the words of our mouth are what defile us so if you're still speaking things you ought not to speak and even if you're speaking trying to speak righteously and you're speaking blasphemously so you're always speaking evil of somebody even if you're correct about them but you don't pray for them you're speaking evil about them and I've like I said I've guilty as charged there but when you're doing that you are operating in blood guiltiness which means you're not fully delivered you're not in the place that you need to be that means you're out of the will of god because you're not speaking holy because you've been polluted by these words and by these mindsets by idolatry so the thing is god desires to deliver cleanse heal and deliver so he want desires to heal your spirit to cleanse your spirit i mean your soul and to deliver your flesh deliver you physically from your blood guiltiness as well so his desire is to get you back into his presence that's the point of all this brokenness is to get you back into his presence and once you get back into the presence because the same thing this is the pig pen effect that happened to the prodigal son so he went out and he experienced all that he decided to experience and kept getting deeper into sin deeper into brokenness deeper until he was at the basis form that he can handle then he came back and then he was completely restored he was actually better you know in a better place than what he was before he left now he wasted a lot of his inheritance but ultimately he was back where he needed to be and he had a lot more than he thought he had before and that was because he came back that was the point of the brokenness he let it happen notice the prodigal son didn't say I'm your father. I mean, the prodigal, not the prodigal son, the father of the prodigal son didn't say, I'm your father. You got to listen to me. You ain't, you better not leave my house or else I'm going to beat you up and blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, okay, go on, go on with your bad self. Cause that's what he was Go on with your bad self. He went on and left with his bad self and got himself into trouble with his bad self. That's exactly what happened. 
And the father knew that, and he let, looked. He was hopeful that he was going to come back. He's like, he's going to come back, and he did come back. That's exactly what happened because he had hope that he's going to come back. That's the purpose of the brokenness. And then when he came back, he came back with the right attitude. His speech began to change. He became grateful. He became thankful, and he began to praise God. That's the sign of deliverance is the speech that you speak. So that desire is not sacrifice us without giving and delight is not in burnt offering, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So it talks about from one, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. The purpose of the brokenness of the destruction is to get us into a place where God can receive us again. And not really where God can receive us again, but where we can receive God again. Psalm, not Psalm. It is, it's Isaiah 59. It says that, it was it's not that God can't hear us. And he says this multiple times in the Bible. It's not that God can't hear us or that he can't reach us, but it's because of our own sins that separate us from the will of God. So it puts us in a state that we're no longer found, but that we are lost. The loss is a state. And if you die lost, you die in a place where you've removed yourself from God and that he legally cannot access you. He can access you, but you've legally separated yourself and that's how you died. So therefore, only the demons have access to you and they're going to drag you to death, hell, the grave, wherever else until you're to your judgment. <laughs> so that's why it's very important for us not to remain lost, but to get back in his presence where the peace is, where our joy is, where our, the love is to get back under the covering of love. That's what the goal of all this is. So when we begin to be broken down and it gets us back to a place where no, we're no longer wicked and we're no longer foolish so that our wickedness is broken down so that we can hear. And then we're able to turn from our wicked ways. Just what, what did, what did the Lord say to um, Solomon when he offered the sacrifices and dedicated the temple, which also represents us because we are the temple of God. And even the church is the temple of God. He said, you know, if you turn away from me, if you turn to me, you're going to be blessed. But if you turn away from me, all these curses are going to come. But if you humble yourselves, pray, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal your land. So he won't hear us until we turn from our wicked ways. So when we turn from our wicked ways, that means we're going to learn to be obedient and that we're going to hear from him and we're going to see. So first we're going to hear from him and then he's going to hear from us. So. Notice he breaks us down so we can hear from him. So once we get the ears to learn and no longer have the rebellious ear, as Isaiah 50 talks about, then we can hear his word. So we hear, oh, this is why God has been saying what he's been saying this whole time. Then our speech begins to change. So now we're finally able to hear and we're no longer deaf to his commandments. We can we begin to speak and praise God and thank God. And then he can receive our sacrifices of praise and thanks. Then he hears from heaven and he hears, like I said, he doesn't hear until we hear. So once we begin to hear and separate ourselves from our sin and turn from our wicked ways, then we begin to hear and we're no longer ignorant, but we're hearing and we're no longer rebellious and having stubbornness and idolatry, but we're hearing him. Then when we begin to hear him, he hears us because we begin to speak. So once we hear him, our speech begins to change and we're like praising God and thanking God and also repentant in our heart. And we mention our repentance along with our thanks and acknowledging and praising for his commandment. Then, like I said, he begins to hear, then he heals the land. So first we begin to hear 
as the learned, as Isaiah 50 says. Then we get to speak as the learned, as Isaiah 50 says. Then as he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death and eventually to the table that he has prepared for us, then we'll be able to see the plan of God, which is healing. So first we hear, then we speak, then we will see in the spirit what he actually had planned for us all along throughout all this. So that's the purpose of brokenness is to get us to a place where we can hear God. So the reason why you're getting broken down right now is to get you to a place where you can hear God. But once you get to the place where you can hear God, then what happens? This is the sacrifices of God are broken spirit spirit first. So he breaks you down on the spiritual level, which is a little bit deeper than your mental level. He gets your morals, right? He gets your conscience right. Then also talks about a broken and contrite heart. So what's going on with your heart? This is that soul level, the inner man, where your your reasoning and your emotions and your passions are. You're not only broken there, but you're guilty. So you have to acknowledge I'm guilty as charged in order for God to atone for that. If you don't think you're guilty, he can't atone for it because you don't think you're guilty. So then you're going to hold that guiltiness. But when you're able to acknowledge what I'm doing here is wrong and I need you, Jesus, that's the repentance that you need to turn from your wicked ways. So acknowledge when you're broken down in spirit and it talks about a wounded spirit who can bear. So you're you're at a place to where you feel like you can barely go any further. That's the point of all these trials. Another thing, a bro- you finally realize you're guilty in your ways. God won't despise you when you finally acknowledge the truth of where you're at, the truth of your condition. Then he says, do good in that good pleasure unto Zion. Build out the walls of Jerusalem. So now these walls are being rebuilt. This reminds me of the stories with Ezra and Nehemiah, how they got to a repentance place, place of repentance, and then they built the walls. So it talked about how they built the walls and then they set the porters and then they had the singers and they had the Levites. There's a specific order to all of it. So they built the walls. So they got their peace back. They got their agreement back with God. The walls of peace, which come from agreement with God, were built back. This comes when we come into agreement with God. Then he will be pleased with the sacrifices. So the Levites offer the sacrifice. So it's very interesting, the order, even when you look at certain stories in the Bible of rebuilding, how they rebuilt the walls and how they had a specific order of things that they restored. So bringing back the praise to God, then bringing back the sacrifice. The sacrifice is the last thing because you have to have obedience before you have sacrifice. So you have to receive from God before you can give anything to God. So receive his word, then give him praise. Don't give him praise, but not receive his word, because that's a pointless praise. As Jeremiah six and seven talks about, you can have a vain religion so you can be praising God. Every praise is to our God, all this. But if you're not listening to God, it's pointless. It stinks to his ears. It's a stink and it's natural, nostril. But when you submit to God, then the praise is pleasing to him. We have to have an acceptable sacrifice to him which comes from not conforming to this world, but transforming into his image. It's an identity thing. So once we come into agreement with God, he can rebuild. That's going back to thou desires truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Wisdom was always synonymous with building in the Bible, even building the tabernacle, building the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Testimony, because we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony which is the spirit. So even when they built that, 
they had to be full of the spirit of wisdom. So everything that we do in the kingdom and all the wisdom of God is always synonymous with building. So he desires to make us to know and within the hidden part to know wisdom. So to know not only experience, but to know how to be built up. So in order to have that built up, to be built up, we had to first be broken. When we're broken, then we learn how to be built up and how to stay strong, how to gird up our mind, to be sober, how to gird ourselves up in the spirit, how to stay strong and to stay built up. And then as we mature, we learn not only to pray for ourselves, but as the Bible says, what prophecy is, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. So now that we've embodied the spirit, then we can begin. Now we're able to hold this testimony so that we can prophesy to others in love because the purpose of prophecy is to edify not just ourselves, but to edify others. So then we're able to rebuild the walls around us. So first we worked on ourselves and now we can work and help to edify, encourage others through prophecy. And the thing is, even in that scripture, it talks about how prophecy can reveal sin in somebody's life. So, like I said, it's not always going to be stuff that people desire to hear. But when you submit to God and prophesy anyway, even if somebody's not receptive in that moment, you have to give them time to internalize that and God to deal with them. Because even God using you to prophesy is still God. It's not you. So the Bible talks about how God gave grace to the believers to believe in Acts. So it's only through his grace that people believe. I think it was uh, Acts 19 where it talked about it was either Acts 18 or 19, how it was by grace that they believe. So when we receive his grace and other people receive his grace, it's through his working that we believe. So the point of this brokenness is to bring restoration and then not only for us to be restored, but to restore others. So. The last passage of scripture I'm going to read is Galatians 6, and it talks about walking in the spirit, but it also talks about what what the last part of walking in the spirit and the point of that is to restore others. So let me turn here real quick. Galatians chapter six, verse one, and it says the following. And right before that, it talks about living in the spirit and not provoking one another or envying one another. Like we said, love covers but lust consumes. So our goal is not to consume one another, but to cover one another. The love covers a multitude of sins. So that doesn't mean we hide it because you have to confess your sins because the man that doesn't confess his sins can't be forgiven or can't be healed. That's a prerequisite to healing in the Bible. But when we forbear and forgive and we work with others, the point of it isn't to expose them because it's a shame to speak of those things that are done in darkness, but it will be reproved. So it's going to be exposed no matter what. We just need to make sure we're not gossiping about it, that we're not blaspheming about it, but that we're seeking to restore about those things. So when we have to come to those times where we need to deal with people and deal with their sins, we do so with meekness, understanding that we could be in the same predicament ourselves. But the point of it is to see, look, God could even restore this. And moving on with it, because all the glory goes to God and we're not giving any glory to Satan. And we're not going to even, like I said, gossip about that stuff. It's a shame to do that. You bring shame upon yourself. That means you're taking the grace away that God has placed on you because you got prideful and decided to talk. Shame is a state that is the opposite of grace. So it's not just a feeling. It's literally a state. So going back to this last scripture, Galatians chapter six, verse one. 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, which spirit is always referencing to our father, is also referencing to vision. So you who can see in the spirit. So ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So Jude talks about how when we're reaching and we're witnessing to others, we hate the garment spotted by the fire. So even when we begin to reach out with people, we need to do so by the leading of the spirit, but not be afraid. And that's one thing that was spoken into my life, even from an important leader. And they said some very good stuff. But one thing that they did so into me based on a certain situation was fear in a certain area. And like I said, a lot of the stuff they said was good. They're not a bad person. But the thing was pertaining to the certain area. And yes, you should do so, as I said, in the spirit of meekness, but also making sure and part of the reason why it talks about being humble is because you yourself could be caught up in the same exact sin. That's why we need to be humble and not prideful and to be talking about, yeah, you messed up and uh, yeah, you just kind of busted. But, you know, God, for, God can forgive you. But I don't understand how you could ever get into that. That's not meekness. Considering yourself, lest you be tempted. So this isn't even talking about how we witness the people and going to because Jude is more so talking about, you know, when you're reaching out to the world and when you save somebody from the hellfire, like sometimes you're going to be in some atmospheres that you don't like. But this isn't even talking about this, because when you see problems with people, it's about the attitude that you have when you reach out to people and they may still not like when you talk to them to restore them. But the thing is, when you come to them, it's the attitude you come in, because if you come with pride, you're puffing yourself up, talking about some. Oh, and I see people do this all the time. Like, oh, I helped them and I helped them. They were so pitiful. They were so this and that. But I helped them up because I did this. You giving glory to yourself. You're setting yourself up to be not only have you sinned by doing that, but you're setting yourself up. What if you're in the same sin or the sin that you have in your own life? You're setting yourself up for your own fall. So that's why we when we are seeking restoration, we're doing so in the spirit of meekness with humility, considering ourselves that if we're in the same situation, that's what this is about. So bear ye one another's burden. So fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove, examine himself, his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. What does this mean? Communicate, to share, commune. So to share. So we're supposed to share our material possessions with one one another. This is what this is kind of talking about. So let him that is taught in the word communicate the things unto him that teacheth all good things. So we, when we bear one another's burdens, um, when we're working with others, because it talks about bearing one another's burden and also bearing your own burden as well. So in the body of Christ, and this is what it was about. It was about building community. So for example, if someone's teaching, 
if we're living in a community, we're going to invest back into that teacher, whether that be financially, that be spiritually in prayers. That's the best thing you can do, because a lot of times we're like, pray for me. Oh, spiritual leader, which that's not even really always the best outlook to have. But, you know, someone can really be anointed. You're like, pray for me, but you don't even pray for them. That leader, you know, if there's someone who's really anointed, they need the prayer the most. Like they need a lot of prayer because the devil's really going to try to attack them. So we need to make sure that we reinvest into one another, not just certain people, everybody. So let him that is taught in the word share unto him that teacheth in all good things and all good things. So that doesn't eliminate limit to one thing, but all good things. Good things are effective things. Good things are things that we have. So we need to make sure that we're willing to share and that we're not stingy. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth in the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. One of the hardest things to do in Christianity is to sow against a bad harvest. Because when you do bad things, you're going to pay the price for it. The thing is, when Christ atones for your sin. And this is part of the reason why I pray like I've prayed dangerous prayers. Like if I got to be judged, judge me now. Judge me early. Don't wait till later to judge me. Don't let me die in judgment. Like if I got to be judged, judge me early so I can enjoy the rest of my life. Um, and that, you know, I may like, I mean, you may regret it in the moment, but for me, that's just the way I've prayed just because, and I have gotten that and I've had to work through that. But the thing is, I'd rather get that than wait. Like I said, I'd rather just go on ahead, get the brokenness through as soon as possible, get the judgment now and not treasure up things for the day of wrath later. So but like I was saying, it's hard to sow against a bad harvest when you know what's right, but you're also reaping what's been you've done wrong at the same time. But that's something we have to keep doing. And we must not get weary in doing the right thing, even when we're reaping things that we did wrong, or even if we're not reaping things we did wrong, but we're we are going through different trials and persecutions that we don't faint and go back into old sin or that we don't just give up on God or stop being faithful. And it usually stops with us. It usually stops when we stop praising God and stops thanking God. And then we start to get into a sad place. And then all of a sudden depression comes. And then with that depression comes sinful thoughts about gluttony or lust and all this stuff. Why does it always come when you're sad? The point of that is to get you to stop sowing what you're sowing and waiting for. And the thing is, like I said, when you have a bad heart for some stuff, because you've been doing sin for a while, you've been speaking bad about people. Now it's coming back to you when you've been doing this or that other sin and it's coming back to you later. You still have to keep sowing that right thing. And that's when that endurance and grace from God comes in. We need to rely on the grace of God to stay strong. They that wait on the Lord, they that serve the Lord and endure with the Lord shall be renewed in strength. They shall mount up as eagles and soar. So we have to keep trusting in God and being in the love of God and that trust under the covering of God to get to the place that we need to be to reap what we have sown. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially 
especially unto them that are of a household of faith. And this one's hard for me too, especially since there's so many hypocrites within the church. A lot of times it's easier. I know for me, and this is my opinion, but especially at the school I go to now, a lot of people, at least, you know, like I said, and this is terrible and I'm not justified for this, but a lot of people in the world, they're honest in their expression. They're honest about who they are. You don't have to second guess their motive. You don't have to second guess this and that. And that doesn't mean I hang out or fellowship with them because I don't. Because um, I can't, st- you know, as you start to have conviction, you're not going to be in an atmosphere where they have terrible music all the time or this and that. But like when I'm in places like work, for example, and I'm talking with people, it's just like, I know you meant what you said there. Like, even if it's something dumb, that's one thing that I like. And the thing is, we're supposed to be good to them or people who aren't so honest, even in the world. But it said, especially unto those that are of the household of faith. The brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to make sure that we do all that we can to show the love of Christ because it's the bond of perfection. So the only way we have unity is in that love. Now, like I said, I don't believe in ecumenicism, just uniting, just to unite without truth. You have to have truth in order to unite in peace. You can't have peace without truth. But like I said, to have love into the household of faith because Everybody's inevitably going to make mistakes and we have to forbear and forgive in the process of that. Verse 11, ye see how large a letter I've written unto you in mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised do keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the the Israel of God notice it's of the Israel of God kind of similar to the Jerusalem because it's a people like I said when you become a part of Christ you become a part of a people it's not the church is a people it's not a place and it's a people that's been since the beginning at least since Abraham anyway so it's always been a people so peace be upon the Israel of God from the, henceforth let no man trouble me For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. So we see here that in Christ, if you crucify yourself, if you crucify your flesh and decided to walk in the spirit, the world is dead to you and you are dead to the world. So now that you've broken yourself off from that and you've identified with the brokenness of Jesus Christ, then we have that grace and we're no longer looking at fleshly covetousness to justify ourselves. Cause like I said, Galatians not is not about the law. So it's really, cause like I said, Galatians is not about denouncing the law. Cause Paul was for the law and Galatians. And I used to think Galatians was just about circumcision, circumcision. And it's not even about circumcision Galatians. When you read it, the real revelation about that is about covetousness. Because Paul used to do stuff to please the Pharisees, to please the other people who were higher up than him. And then he also used to get justification based off of other people around him. And he was trying to be better than everybody else. But when he came to Christ, he separated himself from everybody and stopped caring what people thought and only sought what God desired. 
And anybody who was aligned with that, he worked with. And if people got out of line with that, he would rebuke them. He even rebuked Peter. And Peter was supposed to be one of his spiritual whatever. So the thing is, we serve God and not man. So God takes precedence above all, everybody. So that's that's what this is about. That's the purpose of the brokenness. We die to Christ. We die daily. We remember. We stay humble. We stay repentant, which is not about being sorrow because godly sorrow brings forth repentance. Repentance is change and growth. We live a repentant lifestyle, which means we live a lifestyle of continued growth and transformation. So we are growing rooted and grounded in love. Faith worketh by love. And that is based of our hope. Jesus Christ is the hope of our salvation. So we keep our eyes seeking things that are above. So we keep our eyes on things above. We keep looking in the spirit because we are spiritual. We're not ignorant. We have our ears open. We have our eyes open and we're looking around. We have our eyes open to see God and we see the people around us, how to help them. We hear God in his direction in all situations. And then we speak the words that are going to be edifying, not only to prophesy uh, against the enemy, but also to prophesy to encourage those around us as well. So that is the purpose of the way of God. His love, his wisdom is to build to encourage, to edify, and to strengthen, and not to build falsehood. It tears down falsehood. That's what God does always. That's the purpose of the brokenness. But it's very important that we as disciples have this revelation of restoration because we must be restored in order to be effective in discipling others because people resonate with that truth. But when you aren't and you live like a Pharisee, which a Pharisee is not legalism. And I'm going to talk about that in another episode. But when you're not living a hypocritical lifestyle, which applies to anybody, no matter even the most liberal church that you find hypocrites, because they're not following the way of God. When you're living that way, you're the name of God is blasphemed among the people who don't believe God because you don't do what you say. So it's very important that we live a lifestyle to where we know God is true. We, have over holding the truth and righteousness, which means holding the truth justly. And we live that lifestyle of justice. Like I said, not that we're completely flawless, but we're holding him. We complete in him and we're living that lifestyle to where we're holding the truth and we're honest. We live a lifestyle of honesty, transparency, and sincerity. That sincerity is the point. And when we live a lifestyle, when we're sincerity, people can feel that people can feel the falsehood and people can feel the truth. Now, some people are deceived, but a lot of people are brought out of deception because they can feel the truth, even if they don't like the truth. When they first hear it, we need that truth. And that is the way of the spirit of truth. It cuts at first, but then it brings restoration. It talks about in Corinthians chapter three, how the way of God is tested by fire, reproves and it can burn down everything you know if you're not structurally sound but it saves you because it shows you that you weren't secure as you should be and jesus christ should have been your foundation so it's very important that we learn to be sincere and truthful so that we can hold the spirit of truth and that we can minister effectively with the comforter that he's placed within us so as i come to the close in this episode let us pray 
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you provided for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would just continually work within our lives, that you would work by your revelation, that you would work by your will and lead us in the ways of restoration. Lead us by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that anybody in their season of brokenness right now, that you would lead them and guide them in the revelation of their situation, that you would give them as Ephesians chapter 1, 17 says, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, that they will be able to build up and see the plan of God, that you would give them the ears to learn, that they would not be ignorant and not ignore your commandments, but that they would submit to your commandments and then have the tongue to learn that they would praise you and speak pleasing things to you and pleasing things to people around them, not pleasing people, but pleasing things to you that edify the weary, that edify those that are weak and speak prophecy that we would grow go on from just praying in tongues but that we would go on to prophecy as well that we would still pray in the spirit and continually be edified ourselves but that we would be able to edify others around us as well lead us and guide us in your perfect way break off every deceptive and reprobate way from us and perfect us in your truth we love you we thank you we praise you and we stay in that state of thanksgiving we stay in that state of praise we stay in that state of grace and we stay in that state of faith receiving from you in everything and giving thanks to you in everything all praise be unto you O most high we thank you in jesus mighty name i pray amen thank you all for listening to this podcast i look forward to the things that are coming out for this podcast and hopefully very soon for the podcast i'm getting ready so I can talk about a lot of the stuff. I'm very excited to get that started up. So be stay tuned for information on that too. It's been a long time coming. And when I say a long time coming, I'm acting as if I've been preparing anything for it. I've known what I have desired to talk about. I just need to set up the platform and should get a logo. If any of you make a logo, cause I had somebody who I thought was gonna make a logo. And if you're listening, and you like to make the logo, you know who you are. Please hit me up because I would still like that logo for that other podcast. But if you're not interested in doing that, I understand. But, you know, I don't need a logo. <laughs> so if I don't end up having a logo, that's fine. I'm still going to make this podcast very soon. Hopefully within the next two or three weeks, because I have a lot to say in those areas. And I'm tired. I'm ready. Not tired. I'm ready. I'm tired of holding it back, but I'm ready to finally get started and say what needs to be said, because a lot of this is coming easier. I mean, even in this podcast, I've only been reading about one chapter, two chapters instead of five, because it's just coming very easy now. No notes or nothing for real. So I'm very excited for the topics I'll be talking about there and excited for the plans that I have for this podcast, too. So. Until next time, I'm thankful that you guys all listen, and I pray that each and every single one of you have a wonderful and blessed day. So, in Jesus' name, God bless.